Geraldo Perdomo is coming off an all-star season and Jordan Lawler is not that far away from taking over the reins, but should that stop the D-backs from upgrading the shortstop position this offseason? And buyer beware with these MLB free agents. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. I'm your host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com to see all my latest work. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube. So please hit subscribe to the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. I've been doing this podcast since 2020, and I just saw the D-backs make an incredible run to the World Series, and now they face one of the biggest off-seasons in their franchise history, and we'll be talking a little bit about the off-season on today's podcast because in segments two and three, I want to talk about MLB free agents who make me nervous, some guys who I believe has some red flags where the D-backs gave them a long-term or a pretty lucrative contract. It would make me pretty scared about the long-term future for the D-backs. So we'll talk about some free agents that make me a little cautious if they were signed to the D-backs. But I first want to start here with this podcast. I was thinking about our lineup, about the D-backs team, and I was thinking about one position particular, which it feels like entering the offseason, people really didn't think was a position of need, a position that the D-backs didn't really need to upgrade entering the offseason. It wasn't like one of their biggest, you know, bullet points on their whiteboard entering this offseason. And the question I have is, should the D-backs think about upgrading their shortstop position this offseason? And to answer this question, I really think it depends on how much you believe Geraldo Perdomo, Little Jerry, can replicate the season he just had in 2023? I believe that however you answer that question is what you believe the D-back should do when it comes to that shortstop position this offseason. If you think Geraldo Perdomo can replicate the season that he just had, then you're probably not going after anyone this offseason. But if you don't think Geraldo Perdomo can replicate the all-star season he just had for the D-backs, then maybe the D-backs should look at the open market or the trade market. Because Geraldo Perdomo, let's give him credit. Let's give him his flowers. He had a season that I did not think he was capable of. Because back in 2022, he played 148 games for the D-backs. He had a 195 average a 547 OPS. I'll say it again. In 148 games, he batted 195. No power. 
uh, nine stolen bases only. Like he wasn't a run producer. He was a nothing player offensively. Like seriously, he was just another Nick Ahmed. He did lead the league in sacrifice hits in 2022. Something, something that he also did in 2023, but 2022, he was just a guy. He was a jag, right? Just a guy. All he was doing was just taking up space at shortstop and just being like a starter who you know isn't good, but you just need someone to eat innings in that number five hole in your rotation. That's what Perdomo did. Ahmed, he could play some defense, but we knew offensively he wasn't going to do anything. Domo, we were like, youngster, let's see what he can do. Only 22 years of age in 2022, and... He just did not have himself a good season. So entering this past year, I wrote off Jerry. I did not take him seriously as an everyday player for the D-backs in terms of being an impact player. I knew he was probably going to be an everyday player, but I didn't think he would be that impactful of a D-back this season. And that was just flat out wrong because Domo ended up being arguably the most clutch player for the D-backs all season. I think of all their everyday players, he was their clutchest guy. Look at runners in scoring position. Domo, 313 average, 948 OPS. We've talked so much about adding power to this D-backs team this season because they did not have any power when it came to slugging percentage or runners in scoring position, right? They were like middle of the pack in terms of slugging the NL with uh, runners in scoring position, men on, like they did not come through in a power department when they had those run scoring opportunities. And Domo is someone 531 slugging with run scoring opportunities in 2023. Something that just absolutely insane when you think about the power profile of a Domo. Two outs, runners in scoring position, 831 OPS. High leverage moments, 292 average, 823 OPS, and he has the highest batting average innings 7 through 9, as opposed to innings 4 through 6 or innings 1 through 3. So as the game gets later, Domo gets more clutch. As the game gets more pressurized, the moment the lights get brighter, Domo becomes more clutch. Runners on, men on, Domo becomes more clutch. Can you trust that clutchness again to replicate itself in 2024? That's a big question. And also, Domo wasn't just like clutch. He was also just solid on both sides of the ball. He finished in the top half in WRC Plus among shortstops this past season. So he was at least a top 13 guy according to WRC Plus. So the question is, can Domo do it again? If you think Domo can do it again, then I would suggest maybe waiting to at least the trade deadline. Once you get to the trade deadline, you can evaluate from there. Maybe you trade Domo once you get to the uh, once you get to the deadline for an upgrade. Maybe there's you know a shortstop that becomes available who's going to be like a pending free agent a year or two. Maybe someone like Trey Turner just doesn't fit the vibe with the Philadelphia Phillies. I don't know if you want to take on that contract, but maybe there's someone Trey Turner level who's going to be a free agent in a year or two. They could trade Odomo for. Um, Maybe you can also trade Domo for a position of strength and then make the switch to Jordan Lawler, depending on how he's playing. Maybe he's crushing in AAA. Maybe he's been platooning with Jordan Lawler. Or excuse me, maybe Lawler has been platooning with Domo and you're like, you know what? Lawler is just ready for the full-time role. Something like what we saw with Moreno and Carson Kelly this past year. I mean, after, what, a month, you're like, yeah, Moreno should be the everyday catcher. And maybe next season, after a couple months, by the time you get to the deadline, you're, you're like, you know what? 
Lawler, just a flat-out better player than Domo. So let's trade Domo at the deadline and upgrade a different position of weakness. But if you think he can repeat his success in 2023, you're probably going to wait to at least the trade deadline to see these results. If you think he can't replicate his 2023 season, then I think there's a few things you could do. Number one, the free agent class is not that good. So unless you believe in like a Tim Anderson, you could look at the trade market and see what you can get. There's been rumors of maybe like a Willie Adamas can potentially be available for the Milwaukee Brewers. I like Willie. I would like to bring him in. Power, righty, shortstop, solid defensively. But he did have himself a lower WRC plus than Domo this past season. So again, this would be for the people who don't trust Domo going forward. Maybe you think the ceiling is still higher for Willie Adamas and he has like more bounce back potential for 2024. Then maybe you go out there and make that deal and acquire someone like a Willie Adamas, someone on that level. Or you could trade Domo this offseason for another position of need and give Lawler the full-time role. We discussed a trade on yesterday's podcast that included Domo to the Chicago White Sox to get back Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez. And to be honest, I just thought that was a good deal. Add an elite starter in the rotation, add uh, you know a dude who's better than Domo offensively, Yes, he's hurt a lot. Yes, defensively, he can't do much. But as a DH, full-time, he can do more than Domo at the plate. And then you could give Lawler, you know, full the, the full-time role um, at shortstop. Now, I don't think he's ready for that. But if I'm now adding Eloy in the lineup and Dylan Cease in the rotation, I will take a year of Lawler struggling um, and working on development because that's what the D-backs did with Perdomo in 2022. They gave him a whole year where he struggled and then 2023 was able to rise to the occasion. So maybe the same can be done for Jordan Lawler. Or you can even trade or sign someone to platoon with a Domo as insurance. Maybe you still want to give Domo you know, most of the opportunities, but maybe you don't have that full trust in him. Maybe this is like where you bring in a Tim Anderson, give him that one year prove it deal and see if he can outperform a Domo. And then you could trade Jerry at the trade deadline or something like that. As it currently stands though, I don't think I would, as it currently stands, I think I would go with option A, which is just ride Jerry to the deadline. I actually don't buy Perdomo. I love the guy, but I actually don't buy him as a long-term option, which makes sense, right? Because we have Jordan Lawler in the fold. I like him for the short term, but I do like him better than any free agent or potential trade candidate that's out there. I think Domo is better than all these shortstop free agents on the market right now. And even comparing him to the trade market of guys who could actually be available, I think I'd rather just keep Perdomo at his price point, at his cost, and just continue to use him as that bridge shortstop until we get to a Jordan Lawler. And then, you know what? Let's get to the trade deadline and let's reevaluate our options. Now I want to talk about some MLB free agents who are currently on the market who I think have some massive red flags and would make me nervous if the D-backs sign these players to a lucrative deal. But if you think the D-backs have a great chance of getting back to the World Series in 2024, then why not place a little futures bet 
on FanDuel Sportsbook because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay when the Lakers are playing. Not like how they looked against Philadelphia, but hopefully moving forward, you take LeBron over in points, D'Lo over on threes with the Lakers money line, a little three-leg parlay that, yeah, doesn't always hit, but when it does, brings a smile to my face. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. And if you like the show, please follow me on Twitter at CareerTimes24 for my personal account. Look up Lockdown Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and please hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. But now let's talk about some MLB free agents who make me nervous. These are the guys where, yes, if the D-backs gave these guys like a reasonable contract, maybe short term, like I wouldn't be upset. These are the guys where if the D-backs sign them to long-term lucrative deals, I would scratch my head a little bit and be very nervous about their long-term futures. And just to give you an example, someone last season, a free agent that I was very nervous about that didn't want the D-backs to sign to a long-term deal was Dansby Swanson, who I just thought long-term isn't the kind of player that you want to pay um, because I just thought he had the kind of game that would not age gracefully as he got older and his first year in Chicago went fine but does that look like a 20 million a year player they want to pay for the next eight years probably not so these are the dudes who give me the same vibe that I got from a Dansby Swanson last year we're going to start with pitchers and then we're going to move into position players and the first guy I want to talk about is Marcus Stroman and again if the D-backs signed Marcus Stroman two years 20 million dollars I would be happy with that. If the D-backs gave Marcus Stroman five years, like 115, I think that would be a mistake. Stroman is coming off a pretty good season for the Chicago Cubs. Well, at least the first half of the season because he was very healthy in the first half of the year. 296 ERA, his first 19 starts. Looked like he was potentially going to run away with the Cy Young at one point during the season. But then injuries crept in dealt with that and it really affected his performance in the second half made six starts in the second half 863 ERA was moved to the bullpen to see if he could get his groove back never really found it and injuries is something that has kind of plagued Stroman throughout his career like 2021 didn't make 33 starts but even when he made 33 starts only 179 innings pitch the last two years below 140 innings pitch 2019 Healthy season, 184 innings. 2018, only 102 innings. Even when Marcus Stroman is fully healthy, he's still not a guy that gives you 190 to 200 innings. He's not that workhorse 
kind of a guy. He's also someone that has a pretty decent walk rate allowed, like 9% walk rate allowed last season, gives up a lot of hard contact, which I don't like to see. And he just kind of has the pitching profile of someone that I just wouldn't want to give a long-term deal to. You guys know I don't love guys who main pitch is their sinker ball. That's fine if you're a reliever, but a starter that wants to get $20 million a year, you can't just be a sinker ball pitcher. And Stroman is someone who uses his fastball the fourth fewest or the fourth most of all his pitches. He likes to go sinker, slurve, cutter as his top three. And the sinker ball sits in the low 90s, 91.4 miles per hour. It averages past season down from 92 in 2022. So it's like, his velocity is going down. He's already a sinker ball pitcher. He wants to pitch to contact. Already gives up a decent amount of walks. Deals with injuries. Strowman, I like on a very short term, two years, $25 million deal. I would do that if I'm the Arizona Dimebacks. Anything more than that, I'm out on Marcus Strowman. Next up, I have Kyle Hendricks, who maybe you guys like Kyle Hendricks more than me. You look at his career. 3-4-8 ERA. This past season, he was solid. 3-7-4 ERA for the Chicago Cubs. Again, back-to-back Cubs on this list. He has finished ninth in Cy Young voting in 2020, third in 2016, but there's just something that smells fishy with the Kyle Hendricks and a guy that is 33 going on 34 in just a couple weeks. He's someone that I think I would probably stay away from, just like a Marcus Stroman. Deals with some health problems. Only 137 innings pitched this past season. 84 innings pitched in 2022. Did make 181 innings pitched in 2021. So he does have that going for him. But the last three seasons, he started to trend in the wrong direction. When you look at that ERA, 2021 and 2022, both above 4.75. He did get it down to below 4 this past season. But He's not a strikeout machine, only 7.3 strikeouts per nine in his career, and it was down to 6.1 this past season. He doesn't walk a ton of guys, which is good, but he just wants to pitch to contact, which I don't like. 9.1 hits per nine this past season. You guys know I don't like pitchers who pitch to contact, and that is what Kyle Hendricks wants to do. He's also another guy, better in the first half than second half. 304 ERA in the first half, 4.2 ERA in the second half. And again, you look at that pitching makeup, that profile. He's a changeup, sinker ball, then fastball, curveball kind of a guy. Likes to use that fastball the third most amount of times of all his pitches. Likes to go changeup, sinker more than any other pitch he likes to throw. And even when he does throw that fastball, it averages below 88 miles per hour. So for Kyle Hendricks, a guy that's probably going to be looking for around 15 to 18 million a year for maybe two to three years. Like, yeah, if it's again, two for 25, I'm okay with Kyle Hendricks making that. But if you want to give him like anything close to that sunny gray, maybe like a three for 60 or like a four for 80, then I would be pretty against giving Kyle Hendricks that. Listen, he's been a great postseason performer throughout his career. 3.12 ear rate in the playoffs. But the last few playoff appearances, he hasn't been as effective. And Kyle Hendricks, I think, is someone who I just don't want to trust as they enter their mid-30s. So he's someone that I will probably stay away from. And then the last pitcher that I want to discuss this segment 
who I think is a massive red flag, is Lucas Giolito of the Chicago White Sox. He's someone that you could also potentially talk yourself into as a bounce back candidate. Um, get him out the Chicago White Sox organization. Give him a one-year prove-it deal. Maybe you think can rehabilitate a Lucas Giolito, but there's also a lot of concern that maybe this is just where Giolito's career is going. He's only 29 years of age. He is a guy who stays healthy over 30 starts the last three seasons each. He's double-digit strikeouts per nine the last three seasons as well. So the K numbers are there. The health is there. Pitches a decent amount of innings, but also 2023 led the American League in home runs allowed, which I don't like to see. Also, over three walks per nine innings the last couple of seasons and the hits per nine, around nine hits per nine the last couple of seasons as well. So gives up a lot of contact, a lot of home runs, and walks a ton of dudes. He's basically a three true outcome pitcher, walks, home runs, and strikeouts. And because of that, I just believe he will probably be another Robbie Ray, which is something I do not want to deal with. You look at his pitching profile, the fastball used to be his calling card, used to be his like one of his best, uh, uh, used to get a lot of whiffs and used to be a pretty good put away pitch for him. Back in 2020, the slugging on his fastball, 306. 2019, the slugging on his fastball, 364. 2023, the slugging on his fastball, 546. His fastball, which is his most used pitch, has been not a weapon for him. It's been whatever the opposite of a weapon is. It's been a toy hammer. It's been something that you don't want to pull out your tool bag unless you don't want to get the job done. So Giolito, I kind of... Don't hate him as a one-year prove-it guy if the D-backs want to go that route, but it better be like one year, $8 million. If you actually have any faith or put any trust in Lucas Giolito, then good luck to you in 2024. Now, I got some more guys that I want to discuss who I think could be massive red flags for the D-backs in 2024. But before we get there, did you know Locked On has just launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for the personal account or look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the show handle. But now let's talk about a few more MLB free agents who just make me nervous this offseason if the D-backs went out there and decided to give them a massive payday or a long-term deal. I just wouldn't be too happy. The next guy that I want to discuss and... It gets a little Blue Jay heavy. The last segment you could have said was Chicago White Sox heavy. I got a couple of Blue Jays on my list for this one. First guy I want to discuss, former Toronto Blue Jay, 
just left the Seattle Mariners, though, Teoscar Hernandez, who I was really in on, you know, back in 2021, he was an all-star. From 2020 to 2022, I thought he was a super underrated player in Major League Baseball, but the season he just the season he just had in Seattle does make me a little bit nervous. I like Teoscar Hernandez as a short-term buy low bounce back candidate. I do think he's talented. I do think he could fit the D-backs need of maybe another outfielder slash DH guy that could be a power bat from the right side of the plate. So I do like Teoscar Hernandez, but as a guy who's entering his early 30s, who defensively, as the years go on, will become a liability, who you will have to make a DH full-time, and coming off the season he had, I don't think I would give him a five-year to 125 deal. I wouldn't mind a one-year prove-it deal where if he does look fantastic with the D-backs, then maybe that second contract go-around, you reward him a little bit more. Maybe you give him like four over 80 at that point, or you give him like three for 60 uh, You know, the year after. But for just next season, I would not mind a one-year $13 million prove-it deal with a massive option in the second year for Teoscar Hernandez. But you do have to be nervous about Hernandez because if you believe in him, then the number you should look at is his stats on the road from last year. 295 average, 830 OPS on the road, but at home, 217 average, 643 OPS. So the question is, which Hernandez are you going to get? If you get the one that's on the road from Seattle last year, then I do think he's worth bringing in. But if you get the guy that played in Seattle, the dude who put up those really pedestrian numbers at home, then that does make me nervous. Now, Teoscar Hernandez was good with runners in scoring position, 300 average this past season. The slugging could have been a little bit better, 453 slugging this past year, runners in scoring position. Two outs and runners in scoring position, 301 average, so I like to see that. But Teoscar Hernandez, long-term, does make me a little bit nervous but I still would like him on a one-year proof of deal. The hard contact numbers were still there over 90 mile an hour exit velocity, about 50% hard contact rate. So the hard contact stats are still there, but the strikeout rate above 30% last year with a below 6% walk rate, I don't like that. So there's some goods and there's some bads when it comes to, to when it comes to a Teoscar Hernandez. I think the real question is. What kind of deal does he get? Because if it's for the right deal, one year, $12 million with a club option for like 15 in year two, I'm happy with that. But if he immediately wants a five for 125, then I think I'm out if I'm the Arizona Diamondbacks. The next guy that I have up is a Kevin Kiermeyer, who the only reason I think the D-backs could potentially look at him is because of how he plays defense. He's a lefty. He's a center fielder. You already have Alec Thomas, but if you put Thomas, Carroll, and Kiermaier in the outfield, you will have the best defensive outfield in Major League Baseball. It's a big reason why the Blue Jays just had an elite defensive outfield because you had Kiermaier and you had Dalton Varsho. If you have Carroll, Thomas, and Kiermaier, you will have the best defensive outfield in Major League Baseball. The issue is Kiermaier just doesn't do anything offensively. He hasn't cracked double-digit home runs since 2019. He did have 14 stolen bases this past year in 129 games, but that just isn't good for me. And when you have your best OPS 
since 2014 and with the best only being 741, then I just can't trust you as an offensive player. Yes, he may play great defense, which could entice the D-backs, but he gives you nothing offensively, and I think the D-backs have enough defenders. They need more power. Now, if he had some speed and could hit for average, maybe I would feel differently, but he just doesn't do anything or enough offensively for me that thinks is a positive trade-off with his defense. I think the D-backs defense is going to be just fine next year, so I need a better offensive player than a Kevin Kiermaier if I'm going to throw him in the outfield. Then the last guy who I think is a major red flag that I don't want to see the D-backs target is a Whit Merrifield. Can he play a little infield, a little outfield? Yes. Is he coming off an all-star appearance? And is he a three-time all-star? Yes. When you go on his baseball reference, do you see a decent amount of black? Yes, you do, because he's led the league in doubles once, triples one time, hits twice, stolen bases three times. And even with all that being said, I still think Whit Merrifield has been one of the more overrated players in major league in major league baseball over the last few years and now he's going to be 35 years of age when the next season starts does he still have speed yes he does but he's a 700 ops guy he's been a, a below 800 ops guy the last three seasons um he hits for a decent amount like he's always been a high contact guy but absolutely no power, no slugging, doesn't hit enough home runs, doesn't even hit enough doubles, only a 382 slugging last year, and just doesn't get on base enough for a guy that fast, only a 318 OBP last year. Like, if you're going to be a high contact guy, I also need you to get on base a lot more. The speed could be what entices the D-backs because they can continue to double down on that small ball offense, but he also had... He, he was also caught stealing 10 times compared to the 26 steals. Like, that ratio just isn't good. Can he play elite defense? Yes, he can. But with Merrifield, I just think his bat isn't good enough. And I think he's kind of of an overrated speedster. And he's entering his mid-30s. Too many variables. Just tell me I'm out on these six MLB free agents if the D-backs gave them a serious long-term or lucrative contract. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, doses.